This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. August 26, 1920. The 19th Amendment to the Constitution has been ratified. Three quarters of a century after the Seneca Falls Convention had put the women's rights movement on the national map, with suffrage as a central issue, American women had their right to vote enshrined in the Constitution. The suffrage movement had split after the Civil War over support for the 15th Amendment, which guaranteed blacks the right to vote, but not women. In the 1890s, though, the two groups that had formed over that rift merged into the National American Woman's Suffrage Association, led by Carrie Chapman Catt, a schoolteacher and administrator turned activist who was a brilliant strategist. A constitutional amendment had been proposed in the 1880s, but it failed. Now, Cat led a new charge. The movement started racking up successes at the state level, especially among the new states being admitted in the West. By the 1910s, street activism had become a common tactic. Parades, protests, civil disobedience. After the U.S. entered World War I, suffragists argued that it made no sense for Americans to be fighting for democracy overseas, but denying it to half the population at home. That argument worked on President Woodrow Wilson, who'd been against women's suffrage, but reversed himself in October of 1918. The next year, a constitutional amendment guaranteeing women the right to vote passed by the needed two-thirds majorities in both houses of Congress and went to the states for ratification. It had to be approved by 36 of the 48 states, three-quarters. By June of 1920, 35 had ratified it. Eight had voted no. That left five states, but four of them weren't going to consider the amendment until 1921. That meant that if women were going to get the right to vote in the 1920 presidential election, Tennessee would have to ratify the 19th Amendment. Activists converged on Nashville. It was the War of the Roses. Suffragists wore yellow ones, anti-suffragists red. They lobbied the state legislature furiously. The vote was too close to call. In fact, after two votes to table the amendment until the following year, it was deadlocked, tied. The suffragists needed one more vote. They'd get it from an unlikely source. Harry T. Byrne, a Republican from McMinn County in the rural southeast corner of the state. At 24, he was the youngest member of the General Assembly, He'd been inclined to vote yes, but he was worried about his first re-election campaign, and he'd given in to pressure from party leaders. He wore a red rose, and twice he voted to table the amendment. Now the Speaker moved to have the House vote on the amendment itself, thinking the tie vote would kill it. When Byrne was called on, he answered clearly, Aye. The vote was 49 to 47. The 19th Amendment 
was ratified. Anti-suffragists accused Byrne of taking a bribe to vote yes, but the reason for his vote had been in his pocket the whole time. It was a letter from his mom. Feb Ensminger Byrne was an ardent suffragist. She'd written to her son, Hurrah and vote for women's suffrage and don't keep them in doubt. Don't forget to be a good boy and help Mrs. Thomas Cat with her rats. She wondered if Cat put the rat in ratification. Byrne was stung by the corruption charges, so he entered a statement into the House Journal. It said he voted yes because he believed in full suffrage as a right, and he thought the legislature had a moral duty to ratify the amendment. Plus, he said, I knew that a mother's advice is always safest for a boy to follow. My mother wanted me to vote for ratification. He also said he appreciated that it wasn't every day that a mere mortal man had the opportunity to free 17 million women from political slavery. Years later, Burns said he thought about how his mother, a college woman and a student of national and international affairs who took an interest in all public issues, couldn't vote, while illiterate men who lived near her could. On that roll call, he said, confronted with the fact that I was going to go on record for time and eternity on the merits of the question, I had to vote for ratification. The vote in Tennessee happened on the 18th, but it's August 26th that's come to be known as Women's Equality Day because that's when Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby made it official. That's when he quietly signed the proclamation. There was no ceremony, and no leaders of the women's movement were invited. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.